Howdy folks, today the lesson that we have before us is titled All Work No Play. And if you've gotten to know me a bit, you know that I love to try to maintain a balance. There are those that will tend to go sometimes too far to an extreme on any given subject matter. And as God instructed to Joshua to be strong in Joshua 1 and verse 7 and courageous to observe, to do all according to the law which Moses commanded him. And he told Joshua, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. So we definitely want to maintain balance in all of our Bible study. And we're not always able to do this in lessons because sometimes there's a direction we're headed and, and it's up to the Bible student themselves to maintain balance. But on lessons like this, because I've had some experiences with people that tend to just push off and never see shore again, I think this is really important to balance. So I'm going to start off to balance. Our lesson today in no way is intended to infer or to, to teach in any way that you should surrender your life to carnal desires. We have scriptural warnings. The inspired Apostle Paul to the saints in Rome in Romans 13, 12 through 14 says, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. And that's the important part of that lesson, right? Is not to make provision for the flesh to fulfill fleshly lust is the point. In Galatians 5.24 he says, they that are Christ have suffered or have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Now we're going to see in our lesson, there are some carnal things, some things that pertain to the flesh that are lawful and that are, we are permitted to enjoy. So you have to balance that out as we go through. Each time we look at the scriptures, we need to take caution that we don't see a liberty that God gives us and run with it in a direction that will put you into danger. And this is where you as an individual Bible student, as an individual who will stand before God and give an account for your own words and actions, need to know yourself. Instructions, and you know, we're going to be getting to this in our Sunday series on 1 Peter here in, in, in a couple of weeks. It says in 1 Peter 2.11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims that applied specifically to the saints there that were scattered. He said, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. Now that is going to be different for you than it is for maybe the person that is next to you or the person that you may know, certainly different for you than it may be for me. There are different things that apply in the scriptures that you know you need you need to be aware of and you need to have an understanding of you know when paul was writing to timothy the evangelist 
He told him in 2 Timothy 2.22, flee also youthful lust, but follow after righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. There are things that young people may struggle with more than those that are older in age or more mature in this life. And that's natural. So for the younger person, taking this lesson in needs to be handled a little differently than somebody that might be mature, both in age physical and in age spiritual. You, you as an individual, need to measure these things for yourself. In this lesson, I am also not suggesting that you should turn yourself to love the things of the world, because at one point, we're going to talk about how we can use the world and things that we can do that are in the world, but it's balanced a little bit. We'll get to this a little bit, not abusing it. When we get to that part of our lesson and other things that you may infer from other parts of the lesson, nowhere and in no way am I telling you to fall in love with worldly things. The Bible tells you not to do so. In 1 John 2, 15 through 17, it says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the less of the flesh, the less of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So please keep that in mind to balance what we're going to talk about. In all things, our main attention, if you want to get to heaven, your main focus needs to be on your spiritual life. And again, depending on who you are, how much you need to measure that. It's like sometimes people will say, you know, I just can't spend all day long with my head in the Bible and so forth and so on. And, and you know, if anybody's telling you to do that, they're giving you bad counsel. I mean, Solomon in Ecclesiastes 12, 12, before he gave the conclusion of the matter to fear God and keep his commandments because everything's going to be brought into judgment, he says, further by these, my son, be admonished of making many books, there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. So that word study there, it means intense mental application. I am not now, nor have I ever suggested to anybody that they need to bury their head in the Bible and in spiritual thoughts all day, every day, in every way. In fact, this lesson is going to give you the opposite. Having said that, maybe there is somebody out there that's so struggling with the flesh that they need to spend more time with their Bible open than the person who is not, so that their mind can be spiritually centered. And once again, that is for you to examine yourself, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, and to make the application of. For all of us, no matter how much time we're spending in the Bible, so to speak, our attention still needs to be on things above. In Colossians 3, 1 through 4, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then you shall also appear with him in glory. So setting your mind on spiritual things. Why? Because we can never live in an ungodly manner and expect ourselves to be saved. In Titus 2, 11 to 14, says, The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Notice what grace does. 
teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of that great God, of the great God, and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. So folks, keep your eye on the prize. I am also, in this lesson, not saying lay aside spiritual work. While you're enjoying things in this life, you can still at the same time be, be doing the work of the Lord. Let me give you a, a, just a real simple, I don't think anybody will struggle with this uh, particular illustration. I think it's easy to comprehend, so I'm going to give it to you in this way. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. When I'm doing my work as a husband that God expects of me, and I may be getting enjoyment in different areas of that work, and my wife may be getting enjoyment in different areas of that work, and no, I'm not just talking about times of intimacy. Uh, for example, uh, yesterday and today and for the next coming days, I'm going to make breakfast for my wife and myself, and we're both going to enjoy that. And I, I am doing things for her and, and for myself at the same time. We're enjoying our breakfast together. While I'm enjoying that carnal side of things, I'm also doing what God expects of me. With that in mind, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know your labor is not in vain in the Lord. In a lot of areas that... I think people just don't even realize that they're doing what God expects them to do. You can be having quote-unquote fun and serving God at the very same time. Think about simple instructions like in Romans 12, 1 and 2 that kind of gives a good balance. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable servant. So I'm presenting myself to God as a living sacrifice all of the time. I'm keeping myself holy. Verse 2, then balance it and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove that which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So in presenting myself to God and presenting my body to God, myself to God, I am also not conforming to the world. I am thinking differently than when I was in the world. And in all of this, I'm abounding in the work of the Lord. And think about that application as we go forward. So having said all of that, there are people that, you know, run to it these extremes. Well, yep, my, not, my mind needs to be on spiritual things. So, you know, I have to I have to I have to study on my lunch break. I have to study when I get home. I have to wake up in the morning and before I even go to the bathroom, I got to get the scriptures in my mind and you know what? I can't do this and I can't do that. And all of a sudden, they take away the joy that can be in the life of a Christian even in this world apart from worship or apart from Bible study, apart from aspects of our lives that people typically attribute to spiritual. When you do that, you're, you're missing a huge point. 
We live under the perfect law of liberty. James 1.25, Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, him being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of this work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Law of freedom. James 2.12 repeats, So speak ye and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. So folks, you have some freedom. God is not saying be on your hands and knees 24 hours a day praying to me and worshiping me. And if you don't do that, you'll be lost for all eternity. He's not saying that at all. In fact, and this, this you know, my mind is on 1 Peter because it's one of the books that we're studying now. Uh, and, and hopefully you're following the Sunday podcast, though I can see in the numbers that more people listen to Tuesdays than they do uh, Sunday. I got to tell you what, you're missing, you're missing some stuff if you're missing that, that series of, of study. In 1 Peter 3, 10 through 12, listen to this. And it's, it's from Psalm 34, 12 through 16. So I, I'm going to read both because I want you to see that, that God is intent, intended, even under the old law, that was a law of bondage. His intention for the creation of mankind was, was not as many have made it, okay? 1 Peter 3, 10 through 12, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are under their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. The reason I love this context, because loving life and seeing good days can go hand in hand with living righteously before God and maintaining your relationship with him. And I think people miss that. I think that, that a lot of folks that I've studied with over the years think it's either or. I will either love life or serve God. No, 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 no. You can love life and serve God. Back in that Psalm 34, 12 through 16, what man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil, thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil, do good, seek peace and ensue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, his ears are under their cry. The face of the Lord is against them to do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. So you can see, that's what Peter's quoting, right? He's bringing back a psalm and presenting that to a primarily Gentile audience in that epistle. And you know that if you're listening to the First Peter series of lessons. So let's think about all of this. We can enjoy some things, physical things in this world. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and I'm going to come to the book of Ecclesiastes here a few times Right from the jump, we're going to look at Ecclesiastes 3 and Ecclesiastes 5. Ecclesiastes 3, 9 through 13. What profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? I have seen the travail, which God hath given the sons of men to be exercised in it. Remember this, going back to the garden, right? Hey, hey, you don't live in paradise anymore. You're going to work. You're going to sweat. Notice how this continues. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. I have this question for you. When's the last time you've gone out and enjoyed being in God's creation? I mean, here in El Paso, we live in a big city and, you know, 
more and more and more, the borders are growing out and more and more people surround us and traffic and pollution and all these other things. But right smack dab in the middle of, of our big city here, we've got mountains. And when you're going from the east side of town to the west side of town, you either have to go through the pass on Interstate 10 or you have to go up over Trans Mountain Road or there's a couple other ways too. You can go on the face of the mountain uh, or you could go out into the, we border New Mexico. You could go uh, out through Chaparral and come around the, the backside. But one of the beautiful things is just about anywhere you are, not just about anywhere you are in El Paso, at least anywhere I've ever been, you can look around and you can see the mountains in the middle of town. You can look out to the east, to the uh, to the west, to the south, to the north, and you could see God's wonderful, beautiful creation. And the mountains aren't so close that you can't look up and see the sky. We have two wonderful things here. You can see the sky. And it just goes on and on. And, and at night, um, if you're not right in the middle of town, and I live kind of what used to be the outskirts of town, but boy, that keeps pushing and pushing and pushing. Look up and see that beautiful sky and and the, the stars and the moon. And it's just, it is just wonderful. When's the last time you've gone out and you've enjoyed looking up? You know, the psalmist said in Psalm 19, verse 1, says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world, in that he has set a tabernacle for the sun which is a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. Isn't that beautiful, that poetic language in describing the sky and the things that are in the sky? When's the last time you've seen what God's created and just enjoyed it? So I'm gonna come back here to Ecclesiastes 3, 9 through 13. Pick up uh, where we left off. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. I know that there is no good in them but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. What are you working for? What are you working for? When's the last time you've considered that God didn't just create everything just to be worked, right? Ecclesiastes 5, 13 through 20, there's a sore evil, which I've seen under the sun, namely riches kept for the owners thereof to their hurt. But those riches perish by evil travail. He begotteth the son, and there is nothing in his hand. And as he came forth of his mother's womb, naked shall he return as he came and shall take nothing of his labor, which he may carry away in his hand. This is also a sore evil. That in all points as he came, so shall he go. What profit hath he in that he laboreth for the wind? His days also eateth in darkness. He hath much sorrow and wrath with his sickness. Behold, that which I have seen, it is good and comely for one to eat and drink and to enjoy 
the good of all his labor that he taketh under the sun all the days of his life, which God given them, for it is his portion. Every man also to whom God hath given riches and wealth and hath given him power, meaning authority, to eat thereof and take his portion and rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. For he shall not much remember the days of his life because God answereth him in the joy of his heart. Have you thought about that? You work, you work, you work. What happens when you die? You're not taking it with you. So are you enjoying it? There have been countless people in this world that have done things like this. And one, one of the brethren here recently spoke of one of his relatives who worked very hard and set aside money and everything else and had this idea that I'm going to enjoy it all when I retire. And then it, it didn't go according to plan. A lot of people, when, when they have set aside, I'm going to enjoy life at this stage, all of a sudden you get sick or something arises and you don't get to enjoy all the labor that, that you've done. And listen, each one of us is different. Don't start building rebuttals in your head, okay? This isn't Brian's opinion. This is God telling you, you can enjoy things that you've labored for in this lifetime. But don't, don't argue with God, okay? Even when you come to the new covenant, Acts 14, 17, nevertheless, he left not himself without witness and that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. We can enjoy things like food. We don't have to step back and just, just say, you know what? Um, I, I, it just costs too much or it's this. And I agree with you. It does cost too much. I mean, man, I went to the grocery store uh, last couple of weeks multiple times and it's unbelievable how much things cost and the packages are smaller and everything else. But listen, I can spend all my time being upset at the prices but that's not going to change it. Well, what I can do is come home and make it, fix it. Wife can make it, fix it, whatever, and enjoy what we can afford today. We can enjoy it, right? In 1 Timothy 6, 17, it's a context talking about contentment when you go back to verse 6 and read through. It says, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. So beautiful balance there but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to, here is a key word, enjoy. Are you enjoying the fruit of your labor? Now, I, I know I've had this discussion with people on every end of the spectrum. Listen, I'm not telling you how to enjoy the fruit of your labor. I'm just asking you to investigate whether you are or not. Listen, I'm a simple guy, okay? Um, if you gave me $100 million, my life wouldn't change very much. Uh, what I mean by that is I would not all of a sudden become a world traveler. I would not all of a sudden go and want a bigger house. I, I, I'm, I'm a simple guy. Um, I, I'm more of a practical person. Uh, the things that I enjoy in life are simple. I don't want to travel. Whether I had the money to or not, I don't want to go see this or see that. I've seen enough in my lifetime. You know, when our children were younger, we went and we did quite a few things. Uh, I've preached the gospel in many different places in the United States. 
and have traveled. And a lot of those times took my family with me. We've taken different routes. There's only a few states in the country that I haven't been to. I've been to Mexico. I've been to Canada. I've seen great things and, and wouldn't mind seeing them again. But I, even if you gave me millions of dollars, I wouldn't necessarily plot my course to go do that tomorrow. I'm a content guy. I, I more so choose to use the money that I do have to enjoy things within and close to my personal residence because that's what I enjoy. Well, maybe that's not you. Maybe you would enjoy different things. Listen, this is not me telling you how to enjoy things, just that you should. And you're going to have to balance that. I'm, not, I'm also not telling you that, hey, go out, max out your credit card, and do something stupid. You know, there are people that say, hey, you know, I might die tomorrow. I want to live as much as I can today. Yeah, but if you wake up tomorrow, you got to pay that bill. And all of a sudden, what you enjoyed yesterday isn't going to be so much fun anymore. And that $1,000, $2,000, $3,000, $4,000, whatever you did, whatever you bought, whatever, with all the interest rates that are out there, if you go into debt, you're going to end up paying 50 times more than the value of what you purchased or what you went out and enjoyed. You need to make those decisions, though. There are some people that, you know what, they just, they want to do this so bad that they make what I personally think is a foolish financial decision. But I'm not you. And there is no authority for me to tell you that that's stupid. Maybe you're happy with what I think is stupid. And maybe you look at what I do and you might think that what I do is stupid. Fine. I don't really care what other people think. Uh, you got to decide. My only question is this. If you are faithful to the Lord, are you enjoying this life? Because if you're not, you have to beg the question, am I really being faithful to the Lord who tells me to enjoy this life, right? I mentioned that we were going to talk about a scripture about that gives a good balance. It's in 1 Corinthians 7, 31 through 34. And it's, you know, the idea here is in marriage. It says, they that use this world as not abusing it, that's the key balance point for the fashion of this world passed away. But I would have you without carefulness. He that is unmarried, care for the things that belong to the Lord, how he might please the Lord. But he that is married, care for the things of the world, how he may please his wife. There's a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cared for the things of the Lord that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she that is married cared for the things of the world how she may please her husband. So look, the liberty within the framework of marriage is that the man and the, and, and the wife can do some things that are worldly, some things that are, are carnal in that sense with the balance, not abusing it, to please his or her spouse. That's wonderful, right? That's wonderful. God gives us that liberty and how you might enjoy things in this world. It's a good liberty. It is wrong for someone to try to take away the liberties that God gives. In fact, 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5 says, The Spirit speaketh expressly, that in latter times some shall depart from the faith, 
giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving to them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, for it's sanctified by the word of God and prayer. So when, when you look at that, we can't take away people's liberties. I want, I want to come back to the idea of personal judgment. I had a brother once uh, say that because he has fallen away. I care for him. I love him. I really wish he'd be restored at some point in time. But he went from one extreme to another on these subject matters. Uh, just had such a hard time with any biblical subject catching balance. Well, here, here's what he did. He went from, he worked and thought he ought to basically shave, shave, I'm sorry, shave, ought to save up every penny he made. And he should, he, he would go to the grocery store. And this was a few years back, but he had a very low budget at the grocery store. And I don't remember what the dollar amount was, but, but I know for at least at that time, I remember when he was talking to me about it, I thought, man, we spend that much money in three aisles of the grocery store. I don't know how you guys are living. Well, that was just it. They didn't do very much living. And over time, you know, he heard lessons like this and studies like this. And then he would talk to me about it and he would say, you know, so I can have a television and so I can do this and I can do that. And it's like, well, yeah, you, you can enjoy things in life as long as you don't abuse it. And what he ended up doing is he went from, you know, we can only buy certain amount of groceries enough for us just to live on to a complete other extreme to where he was buying things that just didn't make a lot of sense. So much that I asked him, are you going through a midlife crisis? Because he, he went out and spent a lot of money on just a purchase that just made absolutely no sense to me other than his son had purchased the same item and it was to me like he was envious of his son and and it was like well the son it made sense from the standpoint of youthful lust but for the father especially the guy I knew for like 10 years before he made that decision it was just mind-boggling to me but this is what people do they go from one extreme, I can't spend a penny on enjoyment, to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend everything on enjoyment. Listen, find the middle road, right? Enjoy life without being extravagant, without being immodest in that degree, okay? Just think about it that way. When it comes to enjoying life, we can learn from Jesus that there's a time for leisure, in Mark chapter 6, 30 through 32, the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, come yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. Hey, sometimes you just got to get away. You got to get some space. You got to have some time to yourself. That didn't change who Jesus was and what Jesus was doing, you know, when we look at our Lord and, you know, one, one of the, the things that a lot of people know about Jesus is 
when he was young, uh, his family had gone to Jerusalem, the feast of the Passover, and he was about 12 years old at that time, Luke 2, 41 through 42. And he went into the temple and was talking there and parents left. Jesus wasn't with them. They came back. They found him. What he said to his parents, Luke 2, 49, how is it that you sought me? Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? Jesus was about his father's business. At one time, after he talked to the Samaritan woman at the well in John 4, 31 through 34, in the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus said to them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Jesus was all about his father's business. In John 9, 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. You hear that? But that same Lord is the one that said, we need to go, we need to go away from people because they had, didn't have time for leisure. He was social. You know, in Matthew eleven eighteen through 19, it says, John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, yet the devil, the son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified of her children. So our Lord knew how to enjoy the physical things in this world, knew how to eat and drink and be merry. He knew how to take time apart. That didn't change his overall mindset, that he was about his father's business. Learn from him. Understand that. And then with balance, understand the value of time. We're going to have a future podcast. Oh, my brother Brandon has for, has told me that, you know, and I think it'll be what, what month that might be. I'm trying to think here that, let's see, Bill Ard is going to be next Tuesday, I believe. Him and I are podcast on racism in churches. Um uh, and then January, we're planning on Scott and I having a podcast release in January. Then I think Trey and I might be in February or Brandon might, I don't know. But somewhere between February and March, Brandon wants to talk about time. So I'm not going to co totally cover this subject matter. It's coming in months to come. Just remember this. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Understand the value of time. All flesh is as grass, and the glory of men is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. 1 Peter 1, 24. Don't think over and over again, I've got tomorrow to do this and to do that, right? That's that's the point of James 4, 13 through 16, right? You Tomorrow may not come. Your life is but a vapor. Don't constantly plan on getting to things that you'd like to do as though you have the future to plan them. Now, obviously, if our Lord come, it isn't going to matter, right? I'm not even talking about that. Or if death comes, it isn't going to matter. But things tend to happen as we get older in life, right? Our health isn't as good. We're not as capable as we once were. I think of long trips that my family used to make and sitting in the vehicle for hours and hours and hours. 
I have a hard time sitting much more than 30 minutes without being in pretty good excruciating pain. Uh, so it's hard to enjoy things uh, like we used to. You don't just always want to put it off like you have the future. Even if we take aside death and the Lord coming, just talking about in general, today and tomorrow are not always equal, right? Then you got to ask yourself, what's the point in me earning a wage if I'm never going to enjoy the fruit of my labor? Back to Ecclesiastes, right? Ecclesiastes 2.24, there's nothing better for a man that he should eat and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. This I saw that it was from the hand of God. You can enjoy good from the fruit of your labors. Now, of course, with liberties, there are certain boundaries we don't want to cross. And this is going to come down to applications that you're going to have to, again, as a student of God's word, applications that you're going to have to make in life. In Romans chapter 14, for example, verses 13 through 15, let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge us rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. But to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably, destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. I need to make sure that my enjoying of life doesn't become a stumbling block to one of my brothers or sisters in Christ. In 1 Corinthians 8, 9, Take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak, right? In 1 Corinthians 10, 23, Paul says, All things are lawful to me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful to me, but all things edify not. I want to make sure that my choices and my liberties aren't going to tear down my brethren. That if I tell them, hey, I did this on Wednesday, they don't just sit back with their mouth dropped open. <gasps> I can't believe you did that. So I need to live that with balance. And that's going to have a lot of different applications. I, I'm a member of a congregation where the majority of the brethren are spiritually mature enough to understand the difference between sinful things and, and what may be decisions that one may make or another may not make. And for the most part, I think the majority of my brethren have pretty strong consciences, pretty pretty willing and able to understand the difference, what is sinful and what is not. And while we have some brethren that are more restrictive in their personal lives than other may be, it seems to me from looking at things that a lot of the brethren here also understand that those folks who may do things that they themselves would not do, that they have the liberty whereby we may, they may do that. Uh, I've also seen the opposite in my life as a Christian and, and also as a gospel preacher. Uh, things like Romans 14, 5 through 8. One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth the the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day the Lord doth he not regard it. He that eateth, eateth the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. He that eateth not the Lord, he eateth not and giveth God thanks. For none of us live to himself, and no man dieth to himself. Whether we live, we live in the Lord. Whether we die, we die in the Lord. Whether, for we, that whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. So I've known brethren that understand that, and that there are times and days and months and years 
that brethren will enjoy uh, and, and some who have given liberty for people to enjoy them in ways that they do not. Uh, we're among that time of year where t- people tend to kind of get into these discussions about quote-unquote Thanksgiving and quote-unquote Christmas and, and uh, understanding, you know, the pagan past of all that. Most days have a pagan past. Uh, but a lot of people celebrate them as family tradition and have nothing to do with the foolishness that are historically attributed to those days. And there are brethren that understand, well, you can do that. You can do as you please, as long as you're understanding that it is unto the Lord. Now, remember earlier when I was mentioning in this lesson that our mind can be set on things above. We can be always abounding in the work of the Lord. And you can be doing that when you're also enjoying life. What you just heard in Romans 14, 5 through 8. You can keep one day above another, and you can do that unto the Lord. You can do that by giving God thanks. This is how you can enjoy life and keep the Lord at the center of it and be thankful for it. And how you also, like we talked about in Romans 14, 13 through 15, 1 Corinthians 8, 9, and 10, 23, need to make sure that you're not destroying somebody that might be weak in the process of those things. We have liberty to enjoy foods. We had read 1 Corinthians 8, 9. If you back up to 8, 8, it says, Meat commendeth us not to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we eat not are, are we the worse. Uh, we can enjoy meats. This isn't as much of an issue today. Matter of fact, I can't recall a personal encounter of this in my years in Christ as it was in the first century. In the first century, you had people being converted from the law of Moses to the law of Christ, Well, under the law of Moses, there were many restrictions on what they could and could not eat. Those sometimes Jews who were converted to Christ struggled with the things that the Gentiles would eat that they had been taught all their lives are unclean. When you look at Peter in Acts chapter 10, and the Lord gave him a vision and was trying to get Peter to understand that he was about to go and preach to a Gentile, and he gives uh, Peter this this vision where there are four-footed beasts of the earth, wild beasts creeping things and fouls the air. And he tells Peter, rise, kill, and eat. But Peter said in Acts 10 and verse 14, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And then you know what God said? The voice spake in him again the second time, what God hath cleansed, that call thou call not thou common. And he did that, uh, I think it was three times, if I remember correctly. And Peter didn't quite get what the whole lesson was about. It wasn't really about eating anything. It was about going and preaching to the Gentiles. But he eventually did get it. Well, we need to understand that meats don't matter to God either way. But you can enjoy them. Now, let me tell you something else that has happened in our time period. And, you know, maybe this is something that uh, we all need to think about a little bit, and you need to find the right balance uh, in this. We live in a time where we're being told what the right body weight is. Just anytime I've gone to my doctor, at least, and, and I know a lot of other people that have the same thing. One of my sisters in Christ here, uh, who her doctor tells her that she's overweight, and she tells him, but I don't have any of the problems that typically are associated with being overweight. Uh, (laughs) You know, the standards aren't the same for all people. I have health conditions that are hereditary. And 
No matter what I do, if you've known me for a number of years, I haven't been running uh, in, in recent years. And matter of fact, I've had so many injuries from exercise that it's really limited my ability to run between my fractured hip that I suffered years ago and and uh, four broken bones in my foot and, a, and then a torn Achilles uh, tendon in my right foot. And by the way, it's all on the right side of my body that I've had these injuries besides things that I've had for many years that are, are, are constant chronic pains. Just haven't been able to run like I used to. Well, when I was running, I was able to be lean. Um, I was able to keep my body weight down between 180, 185 pounds. And I'm six foot tall. Um, can't do that now that I'm not out running 10 mile runs. Uh, it's a little bit harder to keep the weight off. What, whatever I eat doesn't even matter. Um, it's hard to keep the weight off. So I know when I go to my doctor, he's going to tell me to eat veggies. But listen, I also listen to God. I want to enjoy life. I don't just want to have a salad every day. So I'm not out there killing a buffet, but at the same time, I'm not going to not enjoy life. I understand that bodily exercise profiteth little, 1 Timothy 4, 8. But God is profitable in other things, having the promise of life that now is and of that which is to come. Godliness includes enjoyment. Are you enjoying things? We just had Thanksgiving. I don't know what you did, but I definitely enjoyed some food. And I haven't stepped on the scale to see what the consequences of that are. I also went working out uh, all around that. I'm, I'm as healthy as I can be at my age with my physical ailments. I uh, will continue to work out, but I'm not doing it because some doctor has told me to do it. I'm doing what I enjoy in life, and you really ought to do the same. Don't let people beat you into a, a bondage of body image, and that bondage of body image keeps you from enjoying the things that God has given you to enjoy. You have liberty to do those things. You have liberty to enjoy social functions, to go to feasts. First Corinthians 10, 27. That, that believe not, even if you know, not, not even among your brethren, right? Bid you to a feast and you be disposed to go. Whatsoever set before you eat, asking no question for conscience sake. You can eat. Just have balance, right? Just have balance. In fact, that's what I want to come to with a conclusion. And the, the, the passage I'm going to use in conclusion is talking about food, specifically honey, but carry the principle forward. Go out, enjoy the fruit of your labor, enjoy the things that you've worked hard for. Just don't go off a cliff. Proverbs 25, 16, hast thou found honey? Eat so much as is sufficient for thee, lest thou be filled therewith and vomit it. So enjoy life. Just don't go off the cliff. Find the right balance, which you yourself need to be able to determine in a godly way. What is enough for you? That's what you need to do. Examine yourself. Because ladies and gentlemen, if you're walking about in this world, in a way that you can enjoy life. Here's there's my balance right there, that you can enjoy life. There, there are things that probably everybody listening to this podcast might like to do, 
but for various reasons can't do, whether that's financial restrictions, physical restrictions, or whatever. So I'm talking in the framework, if you are capable of, and you are choosing not to for whatever reason, you need to go back and examine that. Why are you not enjoying the things that God has given us in this world to enjoy? All work and no play is torture. It really is. And it makes the life of a Christian look like a life of bondage. That is not God's design. If that's what you're living, you're doing it to yourself. And in some cases, may doing it to yourself as an act of disobedience to God. You study that out and you determine it. Don't argue with me. I'm just giving you the facts. You take them. You make the application. I hope this lesson for some of you is liberating. And I hope for others that the balance aspect of it may bring you to examine yourself and consider whether you have taken things too far or not. Hope it's been beneficial one way or the other. I thank you so much for listening. I hope that you will tune back in on Sunday and pick up the First Peter lessons. If you are behind or you haven't started at all, go back. Start at lesson number one on 1 Peter 1.1 1, 1 and pick them up. There's a lot of valuable contextual lessons and applications that are there for you. Thank you so much for listening. If all goes according to plan, I'll be back at you on Sunday. Thank you and goodbye.